That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, June 13th, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Telegram is getting majorly DDoSed. Google pulls a Radiohead on Pixel phone leakers. Bird buys Scoot. My dream TV is a wall. And the most interesting startup I've heard about in a while. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Telegram reports that it is facing a massive DDoS attack originating from China and just so happens to coincide with those protests that have been happening in Hong Kong, where organizers have been known to be using the Telegram app to evade surveillance. Quoting TechCrunch, the company described a distributed denial of service attack as when your servers get gazillions of garbage requests, which stop them from processing legitimate requests. Imagine that an army of lemmings just jumped the queue at McDonald's in front of you and each is ordering a Whopper, according to Telegram. The server is busy telling the Whopper lemmings they came to the wrong place, but there are so many of them that the server can't even see you to try to take your order, end quote. This isn't the first time that someone has tried to take down Telegram at a time when China was experiencing significant unrest. Four years ago, a similar attack struck the company's service just as China was initiating a crackdown on human rights lawyers in the country, end quote. With the coming of iOS 13, iPhones will be gaining the ability to read NFC-enabled passports and other government IDs, as well as write to NFC tags. So, for example, with the ID part of this, the Japanese government has already confirmed NFC tag reading for its national ID card, and the UK's NFC Passport Reader app will reportedly work with the iPhone once iOS is updated. But as to that writing to NFC tags thing, quote, At Apple's WWDC, the company demonstrated NFC's expanded abilities in a real-world scenario. As an example of NFC in action on an iOS 13 device, the company showed off how a merchant could use NFC tags that displayed a product description after the customer scanned it, as well as how other NFC tags could offer the customer a coupon for their purchase when scanned. In addition, the upgrade to Apple's Siri Shortcuts app means users could kick off an action or even a multi-step workflow just by scanning an NFC tag. Developers have wanted more NFC capabilities for some time, and Apple has delivered. Consumers may not understand the underlying technology or know what it's called, However, they will get the tap-to-interact functionality thanks to broad Apple Pay adoption, which taught them the behavior, end quote. Over the last couple of days, leaked photos of what rumor mongers were saying was the upcoming Pixel 4 smartphone have been making their way across the internet. These things tend to happen, but what is unusual in this case is that Google decided to fight fire with fire, tweeting its own teaser image of what it confirmed would be the actual upcoming Pixel 4, writing, quote, wait till you see what it can do. Quoting The Verge, 
The official image clearly shows at least two rear cameras and a third sensor of some kind in a large camera bump on the phone's back. There's also another tiny dot at the lower right of the camera module, which could be a microphone, is the secondary lens for portraits or a wide-angle perspective. Who knows? Apart from that, we see what looks to be a white or gray power button and the company's G logo. For the first time ever on a Pixel, there's no rear fingerprint scanner present on this device, end quote. As Nick Stat tweeted, this is healthy for an industry obsessed with secrecy for no reason. Pretending the product everyone knows is coming doesn't exist until the last second is stupid and serves no one, end quote. Bird is confirming that it is acquiring its electric scooter and moped startup rival Scoot, which was once valued at $71 million. Terms of the deal were not disclosed, but there are rumors that the deal was for $25 million in cash and stock, which would be less than the $47 million in funding Scoot took over the course of its lifetime. So a come down for Scoot, but also is this signs of the beginnings of consolidation in the scooter space. Well, maybe it's not so much that, as Scoot just had something valuable that Bird needed, i.e. a license to operate shared scooter services in San Francisco. Quoting the journal, In Scoot, Bird saw an opportunity to buy an experienced team while also obtaining access to its licenses and relationships with cities, according to one of the people knowledgeable of the matter. Scoot rents scooters and mopeds in San Francisco, a key market that Bird has been absent from after it failed to obtain an operating permit in 2018. The deal will help Bird gain access to this market. Scoot also operates in Barcelona and Santiago, Chile, end quote. Ford is expanding on-road testing of its third-generation Argo AI self-driving cars to Detroit, following previous tests in Pittsburgh, Palo Alto, Miami, D.C., and Dearborn. The cars have, quote, a significant upgraded sensor suite with higher-res cameras, a revamped computing system that's more thermal and noise-efficient, and added safety features like redundant braking and steering systems that help maintain vehicle motion control in the event one of the units stops functioning, end quote. It's notable that Ford is doing on-road testing in northern climes like Detroit and Pittsburgh, while others tend to test in flat, fair-weather climes like Arizona. Not sure if that means Ford is moving further along than others, but worth pointing out that if these things are going to be on real roads someday soon, they're going to have to be able to handle, you know, winters. From my we-don't-get-to-cover-it-much-but-I-love-me-some-insane-TV-tech file, allow me to introduce you to Samsung's massive 8K micro-LED 292-inch TV called The Wall Luxury. I'm going to say that again. 292 inches. Not only that, quoting TechSpot, it's not just massive sizes and resolution on offer. The Wall Luxury comes with AI upscaling a 120 hertz refresh rate, and quantum HDR technology for a peak brightness of 2,000 nits, making it a mouth-watering product for watching movies, sporting events, or playing games. Other enticing specs include a depth of less than 30 millimeters, a bezel-free infinity design, and customizable decor frames that allow it to blend into its surroundings. It also comes with Samsung's ambient mode, which allows the TV to display images such as art, 
photos and paintings while it's not in use. Given the wall luxury's size, this should be a particularly useful feature, end quote. This bad boy will be available worldwide in July, and while Samsung wasn't sharing the price, it's worth noting that Samsung's 98-inch 8K-capable Q90 retails for $100,000, so if I'm doing the simple math based on just the dimensions right, might this be at least three times the price of that one? But still, click through for the photos because daddy want. How do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it and it's impossible for you to forget and do it for a hundred different sites and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Sounds impossible unless you have one password. More than any other product I've ever told you about, I can vouch 1,000% for 1Password. I can't live without it. 1Password makes strong security easy for your people and gives you the visibility you need to take action when you need to. Any device, any time, 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over 100,000 businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out 40 other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at 1Password.com slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at 1Password.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to 1Password.com slash ride. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features features help you say the right thing at the right time every time plus you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to constant contacts best in class 97% deliverability rate i use this and you should too tackle any challenge with constant contacts expert live customer support plus everything's backed by their 30 day money back guarantee so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. And from my What's This Now file, the official mobile game for the TV show Breaking Bad is now available. It's called Breaking Bad Criminal Elements. Quoting TechSpot once again. Rather than controlling Walter or Jesse Pinkman, players take control of an associate who works underneath the pair, helping them create a criminal enterprise with far-reaching influence. Now available on the Google Play Store, the game, which was created in collaboration with the makers of the TV show, is described as a story-driven base builder. How much you like it depends on your enjoyment of similar titles such as Clash of Clans, which is said to share similar gameplay though it does currently boast a 4 out of 5 rating, end quote. 
The game is free to download, though again, as of now, Android only. But there are in-app purchases, which will run you anywhere from $0.99 to $99.99 per item. But hey, Saul Goodman is in it. Gus Fring is in it. Mike Ehrmantraut is in it. Can't be all bad, can it? Cellular networks require a ton of infrastructure. All those towers and even more will be required to make 5G work. And don't get started on how complicated things will get when the Internet of Things becomes a full reality. Quote, everyday things that we use shouldn't need cellular plans. By creating the world's first peer-to-peer wireless network that's owned and operated by individuals, the Helium Hotspot opens the door to an ecosystem of possibilities that allow people to connect anything from pet collars and rideshare scooters to sensors that monitor air and water quality, end quote. The man who said that is Amir Halim, who, along with Napster co-founder Sean Fanning and Sproitling founder Chris Bruce, has founded, as he said, Helium Hotspot, a startup that intends to offer free peer-to-peer networking. Helium Hotspot just raised a $15 million Series C round from a murderer's row including Union Square Ventures, Kosla Ventures, GV, Firstmark, and Mark Benioff personally invested in a previous round. Quoting VentureBeat, Helium sells a $495 hotspot, Helium Hotspot, that sips roughly the same amount of power as an off-the-shelf LED light bulb, 12 watts. It plugs into a home network and encrypts traffic device to cloud, leveraging blockchain tech to onboard and validate devices as it reaches up to 200 times farther than conventional Wi-Fi routers thanks to the LongFi protocol. Helium claims that only 50 to 100 hotspots are needed to cover an entire city. An ARM-based battery-powered chip designed to attach to devices like rideshare scooters, pet collars, and water and air quality sensors, connects to nearby Helium hotspots, and wirelessly transmits data at a rate of 5 kilobits per second. Helium's cloud backend applies analytics to this data, which the company supplies to clients. In exchange for sharing their internet connection with these chips, hotspot hosts earn rewards in the form of cryptocurrency. The hotspots act as mining nodes within Helium's blockchain using a proof-of-coverage challenge response protocol designed to authenticate other devices on the network. Helium's impressive list of launch partners includes Lime, which is testing its network to track and recover scooters, and Nestle, which tapped it to bring real-time fill-level monitoring to the company's ready-refresh water cooler replenishment service. Agulus, another early adopter, says it's collecting data from automated irrigation valves, pumps, and sprayers, and relaying commands over LongFi to a cloud-based control center. Meanwhile, Invisalish is collaborating with Helium to build a portfolio of connected pet products, starting with collars, end quote. Helium's test market has been in Austin, Texas, where the company says it sold out 80% of the hotspots it made available. And there's a global waiting list of thousands of people waiting to try out the system when Helium begins shipping units generally in six to eight weeks. So think lower power, low bandwidth networking, something like Sigfox already does. Helium offers five kilobit per second connections, as we said, and about that token slash blockchain component of this story, quoting from Coindesk, the Helium blockchain actually has two tokens, Helium and data credits. Data credits are only earned by burning Helium. Once created, data credits can never leave the wallet that created them except to be spent on the Helium network for transferring data. 
The cost of sending a data packet will always be the same in data credit terms, according to Halim. Helium hotspots mine Helium tokens in various ways, such as by performing operations that secure the network, and also by providing useful services. These operations include proving that nodes are all located where they claim to be, proving the sequence in which data is transferred, and proving the location of devices using it. Helium also uses a structure similar to Delegated Proof-of-Stake, or DPoS, called Proof of Coverage, where the nodes proven to be the most reliable over time verify blocks and earn some portion of inflation for doing so. Helium declined to estimate how long it might take for a hotspot owner to recoup the cost of a hotspot, end quote. If this already sounds like the craziest startup you've heard in a long time, consider that what I've just described is merely the proof of concept. Helium has bigger long-term plans, quoting Coindesk. In fact, Halim very much sees his company as taking aim at the telecommunications giants. Once it proves out the IoT use case, Helium wants to pursue others. Quote, This is like a blueprint for how you might deploy an LTE network or a 5G deployment, he said. You providing your neighbor with 5G makes more sense than the telecos doing it. End quote. Do y'all remember a couple months ago when I bought a second external monitor because I thought my original external monitor had just conked out? It turned out, of course, that... I just hadn't restarted my computer in a while, and it had stopped recognizing the original monitor. When I restarted, the old monitor was back, and suddenly I had two external monitors, which actually has turned out to be a boon to my workflow, believe me. So, accidental win, right? Except for the fact that my eyes lately have been killing me. Seriously, some mornings when I go down to the street to walk to the subway, I seriously have felt like I can't focus hard on anything. Which, alright, I'm 41, I got reading glasses for the first time in my life six months ago, first time I've needed glasses of any sort my entire life, so I thought this was just more of the same, aging, getting old. But then my wife said that she got a pair of these blue light, blue light filtering UV blocking glasses or something that she uses when she's at work. And I thought, why not? And I got myself a pair on Monday. And OMG, y'all, because maybe there is something to the harm possibly being done by staring at essentially 50 inches of computer screens blaring light at me from a foot away all day long. Because seriously, ever since using these glasses on Monday, my eye and focus fatigue has gone away completely overnight. Now, I haven't had the spare time to go down a Google rabbit hole to see if there is real science behind all of this or if it's just placebo effect or something. Have any of you tried this, getting glasses to block out blue light? If this is just snake oil, I kind of don't want to know, but if this turns out to be real science, listen, if you stare at giant monitors all day long, seriously, you might need to check this out yourself. Anyway, talk to you tomorrow. 